Hello, and welcome to another episode of There, there Will, Will Be Film. That was our fifth try? No, that was our first time getting that right. Okay, that's what you want to say. Uh, this is episode three. Oh, wait, are we, are we going a continuation, or is this season two, episode one? No, this is episode three. We're I, picking up where we left I, off. I think season one, uh, season two, episode three... Or ep- episode season two, episode one. I think that sounds a little more professional, a little more fancy. What show only has two episodes in the first season? Though? Sherlock. No, they have three episodes per season. So would our next episode be season? I'm just saying. Okay, okay, I get it. But we weren't really on our game last semester. You had a new girlfriend. I people was, don't need to know that. I was watching baseball. We we were busy, but for for but the Mets suck again. Your 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 girlfriend's now your. You're, 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 um, no, I'm, I'm going to keep Okay, it. so for, for the three people <laughs> who probably remember us from last time, we don't need to introduce ourselves again. We don't? But. Okay. For everyone else. Because we're, because it's now no longer going to be a listening base of my dad and your parents. Hopefully. We're now going to really branch out. That is the plan. Cool. So who are you? My name is George. Charles, wait, am I allowed to say my last name? I wouldn't. Okay, I, my name is George Charles, but I go by Charlie. Cool. Yeah. I'm. I'm What's your name? Uh, my name is Nick. No. I know that's surprising, right? What? Yeah. Whoa. I know. Uh, and so this is episode three, maybe season two, episode one. We don't really know of there will be film. Our film podcast, which really is just a ego boost for both of us pretty much but aren't most podcasts just an ego boost for people yeah but do we really like need more of an ego do we really need to listen to ourselves speak for the next hour and a half yes okay cool glad we're on the same page about that i'm surprised that you you even had to ask that question i had to ask knowing the answer it was a was it a rhetorical question? I wouldn't say it's rhetorical because <laughs> I wanted to hear the answer, but like we both knew, yes. Okay, all right. Being that we're the foremost experts on film of all time, or just like you people, said it, your uh, words, not mine. When did I ever call us the foremost experts of film of all time? You just said it. I said we're the foremost experts on film. Then you said of all time, to which I said, um, "You're the one who said it." I was not asking. Me. I was asking a question. Okay, I don't think the court will see it that way. Anyways, let's move on. God. Really, really taking us off the rails here. I know. Well, I mean, you said you wanted to take us off the rails. I'm just, I didn't say that. Okay? I'm just, I don't like words being put in my mouth. What did you do this summer? Well, isn't part of the fun of a podcast listening to people just talk at each other? Not necessarily about the topic they're supposed to be and, talking and about. I asked you a question. What did you do this summer? Um... Not a whole lot. I worked a bit this summer. And what was your job? I worked uh, for the local township office. I was in their planning and zoning department. Ew. So um, I was the office intern, and most days when I wasn't in the office, they were sending me out into the into the community, uh, driving around, checking up on the t- on the township making sure that people weren't you know building things without permits like it, so if you're building I am genuinely hearing this for the first time and I want to let you know I am bored for you thank you you're welcome um if I don't know if you are aware 
Yes. If you are building like a deck or a mm-hmm. fence or aware. a patio or something, if you're extending beyond the boundaries of where mm-hmm. your house is, you need a permit yes, to build I, that. Oh, yes. I'm aware. My dad was building a deck on our house a few summers ago, mm-hmm. and one of our neighbors called mm-hmm. and said we were doing it illegally. Mm-hmm. But you had the permit and to so prove it? so we had to have the uh, people from the town come and check. Yeah. So that's – I was driving around to make sure that – People, you know, weren't trying to, to get away with, you know, these building projects. You crack skulls. Not really. I you never really held people's feet to the fire. I never got out of the car, but So basically they paid you to drive around and listen to music. I listened to podcasts. Oh. A lot. Did you listen to any episodes of There Will Be Film? No, I did not. Okay. If you really want to know what I listened to uh, we don't. Well, it's a, it can be a shout-out. Okay. Maybe there could yes. be a, a crossover episode Okay. with, like, professional podcasters. I don't think that will happen. It might. I don't think the three listeners of this podcast. We have a social media presence. No, I deleted we our social media presence. Why? Because I thought we talked about this. I, I didn't delete it. The account is still active. But do you want to know how many people we had uh, interact with our social media? Probably not many. Zero. Oh. Right, right, because you live-tweeted the Oscars, I live and I think the Oscars, that was about it. And the only person who interacted with it was your mom. Granted, it was some great interaction, but she doesn't entirely count. Not saying she's not a true fan, it's just that it'd be the same thing if my dad interacted, it wouldn't count. It's a conflict of interest. It's a conflict of interest, exactly. Well, if we reignite that social media presence... We can maybe reach out to some real podcasters and and uh, do a crossover episode. Anyway, the podcast that I listened to a lot was called Can't Get Enough of Keanu, a podcast devoted to the films of Keanu Reeves. Um, it's a fun time. It, it really is. Do you like Patrick Willems on YouTube? I don't know who that is. Oh. He does movie stuff. Oh. He, you, would, you would like his stuff. Charlie, what did you do this summer? I built a theater from my own bare hands. Like like wood and bricks and There are no things. bricks. This was a classy operation. Was uh, it now? Uh, we, there was a park mm-hmm. next to a library, mm-hmm. and this old rich man thought, I'm going to build a theater there <laughs> and then keep it up for two months and then force the people to take it back down again. Were you one of those people who was forced to take it back down? Yeah. So I spent a month building a theater. That's exciting. It was. It was a lot of fun, even though I... Hello? Is no, this... you're talking. You're good. Is it working? Yeah. We're good? Okay. Uh-huh. Write down the time, so... No, we can keep that in. Oh. It's natural. It's natural? Yeah. Um, an old it man... It shows people that we're, that we're real humans. Uh, an old man from New Canaan, Connecticut, was like, I'm going to build a theater there. And then he hired a bunch of youth to, um, including myself. You were part of the youth. I'm the youth. And he was like, you guys are going to build a theater with... Two people, two middle-aged men are going to tell you what to do. And it was fun. And then the theater was built. And then we did Pippin. Yes. And a young children's show called The The Light Princess. Um, but I don't have really any experience to help run the shows. Mm-hmm. I did do run crew for Pippin. So they're like, no, we're going to pay you to do. We're going to give you a vest. And you're going to run the crosswalk. <laughs> so I did that. And that was fun. I really felt like a god out there. Directing the, traffic. Directing traffic. And then I would send Snapchats to my friends of yes, when I was would. in uh, bad weather. Mm-hmm. I did it a couple times in rain. Yeah. I know this sounds thrilling. And then we, we finished Pippin. 
and Pippin was over, mm-hmm. and they were like, you're going to take it down, and we, we, we unbuilt, the opposite of built. Deconstructed. No, unbuilt a, uh, the theater, and I only had two injuries this <laughs> summer. I only had one concussion, and I only almost broke my finger once, and I say, that's a victory. For you, yeah, it is. That is that is correct. Now I think people are tired. No, I think they're eating oh, this up. They're eating this up. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you what I did day by day? That's not minute necessary. by minute. That's not necessary. Second by second. Not not particularly. No. Okay. Um. Did you go to the movies? I did summer? go to the movies. I have a list on my phone because I, I do too. As, as my friends say, I love lists. Mm-hmm. Lists are fun. If there are no lists, how do you know what's better than other things? This is this is a fair point. You wouldn't know, would you? I saw quite a few movies. What was your favorite movie of the summer? Ooh, I don't think I don't. Uh, let's save that. Save that. No, let's save. Save that for later in the conversation. Yeah. What was your least favorite movie of the summer? Let's also save that. Why don't you Why don't you list the movies that you saw this summer? Why okay. don't you start like that? I saw Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Okay. Spider-Man, Far From Home. Okay. Yesterday, Toy Story 4, um, Rocket Man, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Very nice. And I think I saw one other film. Oh, and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, okay. Um, I did not see as many movies as you did. Because you were busy having a life? I was busy driving around the township. Oh, okay. Um, but then when I wasn't doing that, having a life, okay. I guess. Okay, nice. I did not build a theater, though, this mm. summer. Uh, so I saw Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Rocket Man. I'm gonna count this one, even though I probably shouldn't. Um, murder mystery. The um, <laughs> the um, what's his name? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler and um, Jennifer Aniston movie on Netflix. Um, Toy Story Four. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. I saw, I saw that. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ooh. Yeah, so we have some overlap there. We've we, got we some have mostly overlap. We've got some discussion, some Dis- lively banter, some discussion to be had. Yes, disagreement. Who knows? I do. Yes. Well, before we get into, I think heavy movie discussion. Um, in addition to movies, there are these things that promote movies. They're called movie trailers. I thought you were going to talk about television. Well, we can get into that, too. Okay. We can I get into that. I want to talk about television later. Okay. okay. Um, I figured you would. Um, so, there were some cool movie trailers that dropped this summer. Yes. Um, what movie are you most looking forward to due to its trailer? Uh, can I give you a tie? No. I have to, because they're my most anticipated movies of the fall. One. one. Go. One? No. Give, you can give me two. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a toss-up between... Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Ooh, that looks good. Uh, shocking no one. Um, in in case you are unaware, Knives Out is an all-star cast. Um, directed Catherine Langford. Chris Evans. Daniel Craig. Um, Christopher uh, Plummer. Lakeith Stanfeld. Um, R- is, no, no, no. Uh, Jamie Tony Lee Curtis. Collette. Yeah, Tony Collette. Um, uh, Michael, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Um, what's her name from Blade Runner 2049? Uh, 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 Anna De Armas. Yes, yes. Um, it looks great. It looks so good, and it's it's a 
loving homage to classic murder mysteries, which is right up my alley. Of course. So I'm so excited for that movie. Mm-hmm. That comes out um, end of November. Mm-hmm. And um, the other movie that I'm most excited for this fall is, of course, The Irishman. With the trailer for that also dropped That's this summer. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say Joker. Ooh, well, let's come back. Let's well, come, back to, come Joker. back to Joker. Yeah, because I think there's a nice, lively discussion to yes. be had. Um, um, but so the other thing we can talk about real quick, yeah. because uh, news broke about the Irishman. We, we've brought it up on this podcast before. It's going to be um, Martin Scorsese's mm-hmm. next movie. It's going to be released on Netflix, which is a discussion topic in itself. Um, that's going to star Robert De Niro, uh, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci back from retirement. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm bl- um Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel is going to be in it. Um, Ray Romano is going to be in it. Got you. Got to love the Romanesance. It's still going on. Yeah. Um, but the trailer looks amazing. It does. The production or release of it was delayed for the longest time because Scorsese and company have de-aged all of the actors because it's set over a number of mm-hmm. years. Uh, so we got to see some young Robert De Niro in the trailer, which is very exciting. Um, but it was recently announced that The Irishman is going to be three and a half hours long. And to be clear, we're not saying that, that, that that's a bad thing. No, not that at all. That is a very good thing. I'm my, my biggest problem with any Scorsese film is the pacing. Because Scorsese loves to, and look, I love Scorsese films, mm-hmm. but my two, even my two favorite, Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. and The Departed, are these long epics, these mm-hmm. gra- giant movies mm-hmm. that he fits. So he still somehow manages to fit so much more in than the runtime can handle. Exactly. With like The Wolf of Wall Street, it's like two and a half hours, and that movie could no, it's three. It is. It's three hours on the dot. That movie could have used about another half an hour. Because mm, I think so. I don't know. I, and The Departed, which is two and a half hours, mm-hmm. it just all, so many things happen, mm-hmm. and they jump so much time in between mm-hmm. to keep that runtime tight. Tight. And I think having a long runtime for Scorsese will allow him to tell a better paced film. I mean, he'll definitely it'll definitely be able to breathe a little yeah. bit more. And I wonder because one of the things I love about Scorsese is how tightly packed his yeah. movies are. There's never a dull moment in The Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas. Well, um, I think the entirety of Goodfellas is dull. You're wrong. But um, there's never, on the whole, there's never yeah. a dull moment in a Scorsese movie. You know a Scorsese movie that we need to watch? What? Um, Silence. Yes. That I, one's also three hours, I yeah. think. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it either, and I really want to watch it. Um. Yeah, we should we should plan that. We, we should, should take some time to sweet, feel sweet movie session. Just be like, "Yo, guys, let me tell silence. you, we got a great film for you, starring Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver. Boom, already got them in. Liam Neeson because they are beautiful men. Mm-hmm. But boom, so we we sneak them, we get them with that to watch mm-hmm. a three hour film about two monks from Portugal who go to uh, Japan in order to save their uh, older older monk monk. To, uh, and all the people in Japan get mad at them. Yeah. That Who doesn't want to watch that? I bought that movie when it came out on Blu-ray like three years ago, and yeah. I still have not watched it. I just We all have those films where like you're like, ooh, I'm going to buy that, I'm going to mm-hmm. watch it, and then you're like, nah. I just, I, I got to find some time to be depressed 
That's and how I felt after Beast of No Nation. Understandably. I, 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 uh, I was thinking about that the other night. For those of you who don't know, Beast of No Nation is a three-hour film directed by Kerry Fukunaga. Yeah. He's an odd man. About child soldiers in a African war. Civil mm-hmm. war. And let me tell you, there's about five minutes of the film at the beginning mm-hmm. where everything's happy. Mm-hmm. And then it's two and hours then becomes... and 55 minutes of just sad. Did you know he's directing the next James Bond movie? He is? Yeah. Did he take over for Danny Boyle? Danny Boyle was out a long time ago. He he's, was? He's been, yeah, he's been at the helm of it since, for uh, uh, the past while now. Why would they let him do that? I mean, I'm so excited because... But Fukunaga is just so... But what's so exciting is the Bond movies have always shied away from having, like, an auteur director. That's true. Because they always, they're like, they're like the Star Wars movies, yeah. that they don't want someone to go off in a completely different direction. Which is a conversation that we should yes. probably have. Um, so I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with this next one. It has a title, by the way. In what case is it? You, it's called No Time to Die. You know, I don't like James Bond films very much. But with Rami Malek playing a villain and Carrie Fukunaga directing, I mm-hmm. might have to see this. Yeah, it's uh, it looks from everything I've heard. I'm so excited. You, you also got me into Mission Impossible films, so that should yeah. be your victory of a lifetime. It, it truly is. I was is. looking through my bookshelf the other day, which my bookshelf is a movie shelf. <laughs> um, I was looking through my movie shelf the other day, mm-hmm. and I was just I was like just staring at the fact that I own three Mission Impossible films, just thinking, what happened to me? Do you own? I own the last three. Okay, so you own Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout? Yeah. Nice. They're the best ones. I don't know. I love the third one. You would. I think... I th- JJ. The third one's really good. It's good. I think the... Which is the one where they have the opera fight? That's Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation is the best one. I'm still partial to Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol is pretty cool. Because the Burj Khalifa oh, that's so bit cool. is so good. You know, the, that, that, scene is so, that scene is amazing, mm-hmm. but just... The uh, the silent fight they have, yeah, with opera playing in the background. It's was, really well done. It was amazing. Um, what were we originally talking about? D- most anticipated movies for the fall. Oh yeah, based off of a trailer that dropped this summer. Yes. So what what is it for you? Ad Astra. Really? See, I don't really like Brad Pitt. I've never, but I've never been someone who's like. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go see a Brad Pitt movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go see a movie that happens to have Brad Pitt in it. I've never really been right. partial to him. But I, and I, and I'm, so that's one of the reasons why I'm so surprised I'm excited for Ad Astra. Mm-hmm. But you know me. This movie looks like a, a very long film about a man. I actually don't think it's that long. How long? I think it's just a, over two hours. I think it's pre- a tight two hours. Really? From what I understand. Well, it looks like a, a, a wide-scoping movie mm-hmm. that really focuses in on one character and his emotional Have you, state of being. What's it has me sort of excited for that movie is um, it's been described as Heart of Darkness in space. Yeah. So it's Apocalypse Now in space. Yes. Which is a awesome Way to pitch a movie. The cinematography in it. Mm -hmm. There's one shot that I found find haunting from the trailer, which is him standing in a um, room and all the lights turn red. Mm -hmm. And red is just amazing. It's an amazing color on film. Yeah. And I don't. They give you a vague idea of what the movie is about, Mm -hmm. but I have a strong feeling Mm -hmm. that there's going to be so much more going on than meets the eye. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that's definitely also Knives one. Out. Well, yeah, of yeah. course. It just looks like so much fun. So much fun. Um, Do you want to touch on Star Wars a little bit, or do you want to do Joker first? I, let's talk about Star Wars. All right. I, um, I'm never one to shy away from Star Wars. Now, Dad, technically, if you're listening to this, you should take me to the new Star Wars theme park and take, take my friends with me because you don't like Star Wars. Technically. Or just give me money and let me take my friends um, so I, I can have people to go on the Millennium Falcon with. They also have the, um, the – I don't know how to put this. So bear with me. You know the scene in episode eight where he's milking the weird monster thing? And, yep. And he with drinks the green the, milk. And he drinks the green milk. They have green milk. They have the green milk. I saw a picture of Mark Hamill on Twitter Oh, you saw the milk. same tweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so technically that trailer dropped back in the spring. Yes. Um, but we weren't doing this podcast then because we were busy. Because we were busy watching baseball. I was busy watching baseball. I was in a play. Yes. So, you know. I was also in a play. I, too, was in that play. Let's not pretend that you're some incredible actor who gets recognized in public, which is true. And I have for, gotten recognized in public. It is uh, very annoying. Moving on. Um, how are we feeling about, what, The Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. I think it's a bad title. I... It's not as good as The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is a great title. Force Awakens is a cool title, too. Um, I'm not a big fan of Rise of, Sky- of Skywalker, I think I though. need to know what the movie's about. Uh, you're not going to find that out. No, I know. I think I need to see the movie mm-hmm. before I say if it's a bad title or not. Yeah. Because the only thing The Rise of Skywalker means to me mm-hmm. is it's going to either turn out that Ray is a Skywalker, which I don't want to happen, because mm-hmm. that would then retcon what we found out in The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and it would feel like you're retconning that moment um, in order to appease a part of the uh, appease a part of the fan base that didn't like the uh, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Or it, I would definitely not be surprised, though, if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised either, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. And but the other thing, it, then the other thing it would uh, mean to me is that, um, is that uh, Kylo Ren mm-hmm. becomes a good guy, yeah, which is something I would be a fan of. Mm-hmm. That he turns against whatever Sith Lord is now in charge. I think. I mean, it's the, they've all but stated outright that Palpatine is they haven't coming stated back. Outright. Well, d- have you seen that new poster from like the Disney convention no. thing? So they Well, did you watch the Disney trailer? The, I did the not. D23 tra- no. Oh, you missed it. At the end of the D23 trailer, mm-hmm. there's an image of Ray and uh uh holding a red lightsaber. Oh. I'll show you a picture okay. while you talk. Um I I saw that they released a poster and there was like Palpatine's head in the poster. Um Really? Yeah, and I thought that I read something about Ian McDermott saying that he was back. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. Wow. Yes. Now, if Ray turns evil, mm-hmm. I'm That would board. be wild. Look, if, if, if this movie ends up being Kylo Ren versus Ray, mm-hmm. but Kylo Ren is not the good guy and Ray's the bad guy, I would so be on board for that. That would be crazy. I mean, it would have to be done... Really well. It would have to be done on a tightrope. Yeah. 
you can't make you can't make a mistake if you're going that way because mm-hmm. it's such a big reversal from everything that's come before it. But if they can, but I think if they pull it off right, mm-hmm. that could be the coolest thing in any Star Wars film. Really? Oh yeah. So I wanna I wanna just take a minute because we can go for a long time on um, Star Wars this topic, oh. but. Because we've never... I don't think we've ever actually had this conversation. I don't know where you're going with this. I literally cannot understand people who say that they hated The Last Jedi. I can't... Okay. Okay. So so here's here's the thing I'm going to say. I am by no means the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. I don't follow all of the lore about it. I don't get really excited about the movies, but I'll go see them. Because it's fun to be a part you, of that. But like, you also, like, versus me, who, I, look, I'm not the, the biggest Star Wars fan out there, I won't pretend to be. I love Star Wars with a burning passion. Mm-hmm. I also watched all the films for the first time when I was, like, four or five. Right. You watched them in high school. Right. So, but, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm a, I'm a fan. I consider myself, you know, I will mm-hmm. read the news about Star Wars, and I will I'll watch the trailer, and I'll get excited, and I'll be one of those people who was like, ooh, that trailer gave me shivers, you know, that kind of a thing. But... I do not understand the people who say that The Last Jedi is the worst Star Wars movie because it's so well done. I just, I don't understand what their issue is with it because even when you take a step back and think the people who say that it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie, I don't know where they're coming from because it still feels like a Star Wars movie to so me. I have a few thoughts okay. on this. And I've thought a lot about this because The Last Jedi is... Probably my second favorite Star Wars film mm-hmm. behind uh, uh, Empire. Empire, mm-hmm. and I think that you run into the same problem with the people who don't like uh, the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. which I also really like the Force Awakens. People who didn't like the Force Awakens said it's just a repeat mm-hmm. of um, a New Hope. A New Hope, and people who don't like the Last Jedi say it's too different from Empire Strikes Back. Which oh. I'd argue is a very similar film as well. Mm-hmm. But, look, The Last Jedi, no doubt a flawed film. Mm-hmm. I have plenty of issues with it. Yeah. When they go, when um, the whole... Uh, uh, it's too long. It should have ended too, sooner. It's, it's about half hour too long. Yeah. And they could have cut out the whole... Oh, the Casino Planet the thing. Casino Planet. I definitely, look, and it's a flawed film. I have issues with it. Mm-hmm. But the people who don't like either film, mm-hmm. I believe that... They don't know what they want, mm-hmm. but they want something very specific. Yeah, you know they in and in the in it's. I think it's a problem with a lot of big fan bases. I think mm-hmm. it's the same thing that Game of Thrones season seven. We can get into that a little into, bit when we in, talk about some TV. Yeah. Um, but the same is that you spend so much time working on your fan theories Mm -hmm. and what you want to have happen. Mm -hmm. And when what you want to have happen doesn't happen, you get upset. Now, I have issues with Game of Thrones Season 7 as well. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a problem in fan-based culture that people don't want to be surprised anymore. No, they don't. People want to be right. Mm -hmm. There's no room for a creative a creative vision mm-hmm. and there's no room for subverting expectations. Yep. My favorite moment 
in The Last Jedi mm-hmm. is when Kylo Ren was like, I saw your parents. Yeah. They're nobody. Yeah. They're trash. They left you on a planet and they're dead. The emotional power of that scene was because I thought I was saying that he's like, she's a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. No, she's Palpatine's child. Yeah. No, she's brothers. The the brother and Kylo Ren, they're siblings. That's and it. And it didn't matter. It didn't. It was like, it didn't matter. And we spent so much time thinking it mattered. Mm-hmm. And that upset people. And that upset people. People just want to be right. Mm-hmm. That's know? a really fair point. I and 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 this is the other thing I'll tell you. And I'll I'm, this is gonna be a little harsh. If the Last Jedi ruined your childhood, put on put on your big boy pants <laughs> and go to your job, make your money, and have a pathetic life. Because <laughs> oh my god, sorry if that's too harsh, but honestly. If that movie is going to ruin your childhood, really think about how good your childhood was. Okay? Putting things into perspective. Really? Really, if you're going to get that angry and attack people Mm -hmm. who just wanted to give you a good entertaining two and a half hours and say they ruined your childhood and they ruined their life, they hate Star Wars. Look, I don't like the character of Rose. I thought she was stupid, mm-hmm. but I have no ill will against the actress yeah, exactly. for getting cast in a part yeah. and doing her best and wanting to bring joy to people. Mm-hmm. Put on your big boy pants and, and just move and on. move on. Okay, honestly, you're 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 it, exactly right. The same thing just happened on Thirteen Reasons Why. The main character this season was this narrator who hadn't been on the show before, mm-hmm. and I didn't like her. I thought she was annoying, mm-hmm. but people just drove her off the internet. Yeah, by just saying I hate you. It's mm-hmm. not her fault. Yeah, people did it. Grow up. People did it with um, with Sherlock. Yeah. Um, because so much of that TV's fan base wanted Sherlock Holmes and John Watson to be a couple. That when they introduced john's girlfriend on the show who was martin freeman's girlfriend in real life amanda abington great actress they like bullied her off of the internet and that's just it's sickening yeah that that happens that that people would so much rather be right yeah than be challenged to think differently about differently a about a character or a storyline and what's the point of watching a television show, watching a play, mm-hmm. reading a book, watching a movie, if you just know what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, I don't like movies where, at the end of the day, with most movies or TV shows, you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what makes things great is when they subvert your expectations. When it does something why completely Nolan different. Films, why Christopher Nolan films are so great. hmm is because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Because there's the choice. Mm-hmm. What makes Tarantino films so great... Is he's going in seven different directions all at once. And you don't know which direction really is the main he, one. And one of the things to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for just one brief yeah. second... Which is going to be our next episode. Yes, we'll tease that. Teaser. Yeah. Um, for just one brief second, is that people rightfully picked up on the fact that Quentin Tarantino was one of the last directors nowadays who you can go into a movie and have no idea what mm-hmm. is going to happen in it. And I mean, when... I think I think you hit the nail right on the head when you talked about people would rather be right than be challenged. Yeah. Because I think that speaks so much to 
the the power of the remake and the franchise mm-hmm. and the series today at the movies why you know the marvel cinematic universe is such a big thing is people more or less know going into one of those movies what they're going to expect yeah it's not i mean avengers endgame may have mixed up things a little bit and with infinity war and infinity war but ultimately Aside from those two isolated examples, most of those superhero movies, and I'm not coming for your series. No, it's fine. Most of those isolated movies, you know evil will be vanquished, good will triumph, and, you know, righteousness will be restored at the end of two hours. Look, look, I completely agree with you on that. I love love my Marvel films. Mm -hmm. There are fun two and a half hours to two hours to escape from my life and just watch some giant fights mm-hmm. you know yeah and that's good that's and that's I think, fine i think that's important mm-hmm. i think it's important to have art and cinema out there that doesn't challenge you that you can just enjoy and let go mm-hmm. but my favorite type of film challenges me yeah challenges my world view mm-hmm. you know challenges me to look at myself yeah and say what's going on around me how how am i as a person like my favorite types of films, as Nick and I have realized, are about toxic men mm-hmm. whose world comes crashing down around them. As the result of what they've done. As, as the result. My favorite TV show, Mad Men, mm-hmm. is about a man whose world comes crushing down around, crashing down around him mm-hmm. due to his actions. Yeah. And it make, those films and those television shows make me think about how can I be a better person? Mm-hmm. How am I causing the issues of my life? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think not enough people want to do that. And so and 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 so when that does happen they get upset. They get upset. Because no one wants no one wants film sorry. No, no, it's no okay. one wants film or television to tell them what's wrong with them. They want to be entertained. But one of the biggest fallacies, and I will die on this hill, one of the biggest fallacies about film is that it needs to be entertainment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Yeah. Not all art needs to be entertainment. Do I go to an art museum to look at a painting to be entertained? No. No, it's boring. You go to appreciate. But I appreciate the art of it. Yeah. You know, if Beale Street Could Talk, which was, I think, my third favorite film of last year. I don't have the list on me. Mm -hmm. But if Beale Street Could Talk, not an entertaining film. Yeah. It was two hours of me feeling really bad. Mm -hmm. You know? But But it was art. It was art. And I went to go appreciate it. And good art is supposed to challenge you. Thank you. And I think we're getting heated up in here. I get get heated about this. And I think think the biggest problem that comes out of that Mm -hmm. is because we all know that Hollywood is all about money. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. And because people only want to go to the movies to be entertained, that's why – the the movie landscape looks the way that it does nowadays, and that's why a movie like The Irishman, a three and a half hour crime drama directed by one of the greatest directors of all time, is not going to be released by a major studio this fall, and it's going to be out on Netflix because they're the only place that is willing to take the chance on a story like that. Now to bring this back around in a nice bow, uh-huh. let's get back to Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. So the one time we go to see. A major motion picture mm-hmm. that's a giant budget put out a studio that challenges you. Mm-hmm. It gets a fifty-five percent audience uh, reception reception on, Rotten, on Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes because people aren't used to being challenged either. Yep. Let's. I think uh, 
I think this conversation goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Why audiences don't like being challenged is because they don't look at film as they don't look as film as art. They look at film as entertainment. And why do they think this way? Because mm-hmm. studios are trying to make money. Yep. And they don't want to be challenged. And I think honestly, that's part of the problem with um, why audiences aren't going to movies because they don't know that they want to be challenged. Yeah. They don't know that they want to be challenged. And then if we're telling studios not to take risks like this, mm-hmm. we're just ruining it even more. We're just keeping up this vicious cycle of entertaining movie makes money. Another studio sees that an entertaining movie is making money. They're going to try and capitalize on that, and it's just going to spiral out of control, and there's going to be no room for something different. That's why – my the idea of one of the reasons why I don't watch James Bond films mm-hmm. is because there's 25 of them, and it's like the same thing over and over and over again, and it's just like too late for me to get on that bandwagon. But here's the thing: can I just yeah, finish my yeah. thought? And now the idea that they're actually trying to branch out and do something different that catches my interest. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to go see it because I'm like, oh, this isn't just same old James Bond film. Mm-hmm. Well, at least we we think we think yeah. You know, it's the same thing with you know why Infinity War is so good. It was different. It was or different, at least partially. Part. It was the ending. Everything changed. Mm-hmm. You know why Transformers movies aren't bad? Are bad? They're the same. They're the same thing. It's just a giant robots, which is cool. Mm-hmm. No but one's no one's denying that. No one's denying that. If you like watching cars turn into giant robots and then punch each other in the face. I'm not gonna I'm not put gonna... you on blast. <laughs> that's that's undeniably cool. Okay, but the reason those movies aren't good mm-hmm. is because it, because you start off with a normal person who then gets put into this weird scenario, and then everything goes to hell, mm-hmm. and then at the end everything is set back to normal. Yeah, nothing changes. Me- sir, consequences matter. Yep. Yes, they do. Consequences do matter. Let that be a lesson for you out there, children. Stay in school. Consequences matter. Consequences matter. <laughs> the more you know. That's, that's this, was really, a, this was an 80s PSA all that, along. That's really what this conversation was about, <laughs> to, to tell the, the one middle schooler who's going to listen to this podcast to stay in school. To stay in school. You can be president. Don't drop out. Don't drop out. Don't do drugs. <laughs> or um, else you might – or if you drop out, you might just turn into another old white man – who speaks into a, a a microphone to hear the sound of his own voice because he loves it. I'm not saying that's our case because I'm I, I did stay in school. I don't know where I'm going. This, let's stop. Let's this, let's just cut this off right did here. Not land no, well. it did not. It did not land at all. It did not stick the landing. It fell. To, to, it to fell imply, off. It fell off the balance beam and broke something. To imply that it did not stick the landing implies that it landed at one point. <laughs> that was jumping off of the balance beam and then real and then breaking your foot yeah. as you jump and just yep. landing on your face. Yeah, exactly. That's what that joke did. <laughs> right. Um. So let's talk about let's talk about Joker. Let's find a way for this to make me angry. I'm sure I can. <laughs> I like this. I like this angry Charlie though. It's a Do little you... bit different. Yeah, he's not coming at me. He's coming at the system. He's coming at the system. <laughs> I can come at you. Your hair looks weird. Thanks. You have three hairs that are kind of sticking off the side. Yeah, I know. Never mind. It looks fine now. Okay, cool. Um, Let's Joker. Talk about Joker. Joker. 
Oh, I know how I can make myself angry about okay, this. Awesome. Okay, awesome. I can't it's wait. It's the Fight Club issue. Well, all right. We can get into that. Yeah, though. we'll get into that. So, Joker. It's coming out early October, starring Joaquin Phoenix as... Joaquin Phoenix... The Joker. ...just confounds me. He really does. He's an, like... I know he's had a hard life. Mm-hmm. River passing must have really had a hard time on him. Was River Phoenix related to... That's his brother. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I feel like that really might have uh, really messed him up. I feel bad for him, but he confuses me. He really does. He's an odd man. He made a documentary about him becoming a Jewish rapper. <laughs> I did not know that either. Did you not know that? I don't know. Like, I, like, don't know anything about Joaquin Phoenix. So, like, after, um, after, uh, uh, the movie where he played the country singer came out. Oh, when he played Johnny, when he played Johnny Cash. Yeah, when he played Johnny Cash. I he's really good in that. Oh, he won an Oscar, I'm pretty sure. Probably. He was incredible in that. After Walk the Line came out, I remember watching that with my family, and my mom, and I was like, I was like a child. Mm -hmm. He's like. And I was like, he's a good actor. Is he in any other movies? And my mom and dad were like, no, he retired from acting to become a rapper. And I was like, what? Here, do you have his IMDb page Yeah, I'm pulling up? up his IMDb. I wanted to see if he won an Oscar for... And so he... Uh, he's been nominated for three. He's never won. Oh, yeah, didn't win. Um, but he made this movie with Casey Affleck directing, mm -hmm. where Casey Affleck is really good friends with Joaquin Phoenix. And apparently the story they told everyone was Joaquin Phoenix one day was like to Casey... I want to quit. I want to become a rapper and rap about my Jewish faith. In case he was like, sure, let me follow you around with the camera. And they, it's kind of like Borat. Yep, it's called I'm Still Here from 2010. Yep. And it documents Joaquin Phoenix's transition from the acting world to a career as an aspiring rapper. Yep. And, <laughs> and, and he, uh, it's like Borat. Oh, dear. But... They didn't tell anyone, and but he went on the news and like did all these interviews. There's a scene in the film where Ben Affleck offers him a part in a movie, mm -hmm. and, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix starts like throwing a hissy face. Like, no, I'm done. He's just he's... Joaquin Phoenix is in a movie that I should love, but I cannot get into. Which one? Uh, Inherent Vice. <sighs> your your guy PTA. Uh, yeah. I just can't get into I it, get and into I should love either. that movie. Yeah. Sorry. You're That's good. okay. Are you recording? Yeah, yes. we can edit it out. We have dead air. Oh. oh. Here, timestamp. All right, sorry for that uh, interruption Are you there. sure this is recording? Yep, see, time is moving. Time is moving. Okay, so sorry, there was dead air on there the... Was, there was dead air on the radio station, and so our uh, station manager, Dawn, had to come in and fix that issue. Dawn's the best. Shout out to Dawn. Dawn. I, I don't really know her. But I saw her make a phone call once, and she was pretty, like, pretty pretty cool on the phone call. Um, so, before the interruption, um, we were talking, about, we were talking about Joaquin Phoenix and Inherent Vice, yes. a movie that I watched, like, 45 minutes of and couldn't get well, into. it's his worst-reviewed film. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. But you Josh feel, like, you feel like I would love it, because it's, like, a neo-noir movie set in the 70s, and... I don't like it. Valid. But that's like, I don't know that much about Joaquin Phoenix, as I'm learning, so... He's an he's a odd dude, but, but like, I think he's perfect to play the Joker. But, like, I would never think that Joaquin Phoenix, this respected 
three-time Academy Award-nominated actor would be like, yes, I want to play a comic book villain. Well, I think what's so interesting about it is he's not. It's it's It, it honestly feels like to me mm-hmm. that he's they've taken this world and this character lives in, mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm going to tell like a kind of real human story. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's going into the Dark Knight, where the Dark even though... The Dark Knight's Joker is more realistic. He's still, frankly, kind of comic book villainy. Comic book villainy, mm-hmm. and it's like we're this is even more grounded. Than yeah, we're that. taking a we're taking a comic book character and making him into a real person, mm-hmm. and so they're placing a real person into this world. That's understandable, from what I understand, th- because there were press screenings. Mm-hmm. Um, Late last week. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, this movie is going to owe a lot to Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, which are two Scorsese movies starring that are... Robert De Niro. Starring Robert De Niro, who's in The Joker. Yeah. He plays um, a... He plays a stand-up late, comic. A late-night uh, comedy host. Yeah, like uh, a Jay Leno-esque well, character. that would imply Jay Leno was funny. This is fair. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's it's a very, like, obvious Jay Leno, like, impression, yeah. kind of. Um, so, this movie owes a lot, then, to some, like, gritty early Scorsese movies, which I think is an interesting mm-hmm. um, aesthetic choice to make for this film. Um, but, to say that reviews have been mixed is an understatement. Here, I'm going to read the first paragraph of the review you sent me. So, um, who's it who's it by? Cuz I was just about to say if you haven't if you haven't read it, seek uh, it out. It's Steve I think it's David Elric. El- oh, is it David? It's David El Elric from IndieWire. I follow him on Twitter. He's really good. And if you like mm-hmm. film criticism, Look into him. And so yeah, read read that opening review, uh, opening paragraph. Todd Phillips' Joker is unquestionably the boldest reinvention of superhero cinema since The Dark Knight. A true original that's sure to be remembered as one of the most transgressive studio blockbusters of the 21st century. It's also a toxic rallying cry for self-pitying incels and a hyper-familiar origin story so indebted to Taxi Driver in The King of Comedy that Martin Scorsese probably deserves an executive producer credit. It's possessed by the kind of provocative spirit that's seldom found in any sort of mainstream entertainment, but also directed by a glorified edgelord who lacks the discipline or nuance to responsibly handle such hazardous material and who's reliably the, takes the coward's way out of the narrative's most critical moments. So that sums up. If that doesn't make you want to see the film anymore, I don't. So I'm... I almost, after reading and hearing some of the things that people have said about this movie, and I think, I think inevitably we're going to have to talk about the climate that this movie is coming out in. I'm almost, like, hesitant to say that I'm looking forward to it just because of what people are saying about this movie and the, the type of portrayal of the characters that it's giving mm-hmm. but at the same time I do agree that I'm so curious I think just as a movie goer 
Yeah. This is this is this has a chance to reshape a genre. Is what I've been hearing. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated by that. Um, I think look, the the political climate this movie's coming out in is very interesting. And I think this movie will come down to the Fight Club syndrome. Explain what you mean by that. The Fight Club syndrome is is I love Fight Club. I think it is a great It's a good movie. I think it's a great film that brutally takes down capitalism mm-hmm. and toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and and portrays toxic people as villains mm-hmm. whereas um the people who generally like Fight Club are like, yo, it's just such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like it when people hit each other. <laughs> like like it's just like it's so cool mm-hmm. that they blow up a bunch of banks at the end. It's like yeah. really sticking it to the system, man. Yeah. They don't really understand what the movie's about. What the about. movie's about. And I think that I think that this film and so Well could well, suffer from yeah, that. I, a lot of people are like when you hear when when you hear that someone likes Fight Club you should ask why. Yeah. Because that will tell you a lot about a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I think this movie I'm I think this movie will mainly come down to the idea of are they trying to take down an incel culture mm-hmm. or are they not saying anything about it? Mm-hmm. It's gonna come down to the statement they want to make. And I think from what I've understood and from, you know, the first paragraph of yeah. that review, that the movie doesn't necessarily do either. Yeah. Which is just as dangerous as if they didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So. I, I also think that uh, I'm really curious on how they treat the Joker. Mm-hmm. If we treat him as a sympathetic man, mm-hmm. driven crazy by the world... What does what does that say? That says that say? one thing. Yeah. But then, what does what does the opposite say? I, uh, so, you know what it's, does? It's an interesting line. Mm-hmm. I strongly believe in an idea, and it's how I live my life. That there is no such thing as bad people mm-hmm. or good people. Everyone's just a flawed person. Yeah. Oh. Everyone exists in a in a. Yeah. Area of gray, and, and and to some extent, there are people that in the in in history and in this world that are evil people. Yeah, but they weren't born that way. Mm-hmm. I strongly believe that, and and to a point, everyone deserves our sympathy and our empathy. And I'm interested to see where the film takes that, because mm-hmm. because I think you're allowed to feel empathetic for a person, but you don't have to like the choices they make. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that this movie will come down to is if they justify this person's actions. Yeah, I think if they said, "Oh, look at what, look at what he's done," isn't doesn't it make sense? Yeah, uh, not even that. But like, even that, look but... at look, it makes sense, and you should agree. Yeah, you know, I, if this movie is look at these horrible choices a broken man makes that you wouldn't make. Mm-hmm. And that you can still sympathize with this man, and you don't have to agree with him, you don't have to like him. It's like Don Draper. Yeah. Don Draper makes horrible choices, and I sympathize with Don Draper, but I'm like, you're still not a great man. Mm -hmm. You're a broken man. Right. But if they say, oh, look what the world made him do. Yeah. 
look what feel bad for feel him. bad for him be like oh i get why he made that choice mm-hmm. then that's very dangerous yeah because then i think that justifies incel culture mm-hmm. and a culture of where white men yep can say look what the world has driven me to do look at how feel i'm pity me yeah there's a difference between empathizing with this character and pitying this character yeah. and if we pity this character then that's the, a dangerous that's a thing. dangerous message of the movie sending and I, I mean obviously a lot of this talk is hard to have now because yeah. we have not seen the movie we don't know what they're portraying oh, sorry i uh hurt my back last night how'd you hurt your back charlie okay so i was doing a super super manly 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 thing where uh my my roommate uh was like hey charlie I need you to pick up this 200-pound box. And I was like, sure, got it. And I carried it all the way across our suite. And as I put it down, I felt it twinge, but I muscled through the pain and moved it a little bit more. Charlie, how'd you hurt your back? I was dancing to Ghostbusters. Fine, okay? We were talking about horror movies. And then I brought up Ghostbusters. And then Nick had to play Ghostbusters. And I had to dance to Ghostbusters. And then halfway through my dancing to Ghostbusters, I fell over. Now I sit here in my shame. No comment. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's Joker yeah. for right now. Um, you know, there's gonna be someone listening to this podcast, probably my dad, um, who's like, "Ugh, I can't believe they're talking about white men this way." I'm never listening to this podcast again. Sorry, Dad, you wouldn't do that, but you we're never listening to this podcast again, and we just lost our fourth listener. It's okay. It's okay. We don't need that listener. We don't need We them. just need our parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, any any other movie news? Spider-Man. Spider- oh, yes. Ugh, All right. Let's get angry again. Oh, boy. So, it's so fascinating that this episode is ostensibly about summer movies, which are, you know, light, fun popcorn movies, and this is our heaviest episode by far. We're talking about... We, if you we're, we're just if, going if someone had said i'll pay you i'll bet you 20 bucks that you talk about incels within your first three episodes i would have been like give me your 20 bucks no way that happens i would have been so confident i would have been raise me to 100 yeah i am that confident that we would not be talking about that yeah but if, here if, we are and if you don't know what incels are i'm happy for you yeah um, so, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And I think, by extension... Spider-Man. No. Oh, that was Batman. That was Batman. Oh. That was Spider-Man. fully Batman. Spider-Man. Stop, that we might be copyrighted. Can... We can afford it. No, we can't. We can't? Um, how, much, how much money is this? do we, we get paid? None. This is a $0 budget podcast? Yeah. Um, what if I sing like a off-brand Spider-Man theme song that I make up right here on the spot? No one's asking for that. I I, don't, I disagree. I think our fans want it. I don't think Spider-Man. they do. Spider-Man, do do boop 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 boop, web slinger, do 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 do. You know, I'm Spider-Man. sitting I'm sitting in front of the computer where I can edit that part right out. Please don't. I feel like I feel like that will make the podcast. So let's talk about Spider-Man and by extension Marvel, Disney. <laughs> And uh, Fox, yeah. Sony. So this has a lot of implication for the movie industry. Now this, let's, this let's, is let's a, go this into is almost monopolies. An ex- this is an extension almost of what we were talking about 
a little while ago. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about monopolies. The game? No, monopolies, not okay. monopoly. Monopolies are explicitly forbidden by the government. Do you know why monopolies are explicitly forbidden by the government? Nick? Tell me. I will tell you. There's a law against them because we need competition for capitalism to work. And Correct. Capitalism is doesn't have competition, then all the money goes to one company. But yet, they let the Fox-Disney merger go through, thereby helping create a monopoly when Disney owns like 50% of the entertainment industry. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, but they can't just take 5% of the money from Spider-Man in order to let Spider-Man into the MCU. Because no, that can't happen. All right, so we're going we're gonna to break this conversation to, into a couple of different okay. sections. One, because you are the Spider-Man fan in the room. Let's just put it this way. I wanted Spider-Man for three Halloweens in a row. So you are an expert, then, to discuss Spider-Man. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I didn't read Spider-Man. I'm, I'm calling you as an expert witness. Okay, cool. Expert witness. Let's do this. I also read a bunch of articles, so I really understand the issue. Why... No, no, no. I'm asking you a personal question. Okay. Why do you want Spider-Man to be a part of the MCU so much? Well, it started with the day of my birth. <laughs> no, okay. So, Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. Mm -hmm. I love Spider-Man. I remember growing up playing Spider-Man 2 video game on my GameCube every day. Mm -hmm. The day Spider-Man video game came out for the PS4, I bought it. Mm -hmm. I saw Far From Home opening weekend. Mm -hmm. I saw Homecoming opening weekend. I saw The Amazing Spider-Man opening weekend. Mm -hmm. I saw The Amazing Spider-Man 2 opening weekend. Yeah. I loved Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And he's such a crucial character to now how they built the MCU mm -hmm. to just get rid of him. Mm-hmm doesn't make sense they have now set up spider-man as the future of the mcu with these films you didn't see far from home no you i don't know what i'm talking no. about but in far from home they basically said here's the new iron man mm -hmm. and you're just getting rid of him yeah spider-man is also one of the first superheroes created for marvel mm -hmm. i think don't fact check me but he's i believe he is one of the first Stanley's favorite superhero mm -hmm. and to not have this character that's beloved by millions mm -hmm. in the MCU, which is beloved by mi millions, I think is a disservice to what they're doing. Yeah, and to and and to say that you're not allowing him in over money, mm -hmm. I think sends a really bad message to your fans. Mm -hmm. Look, Fair enough. I get I get where Disney's coming from. Okay, I'm I'm a businessman at heart. No, okay. No, you're not. No, I'm not. No, but I get where Disney's coming from. For five percent of a movie's profits, you don't want to get your your lead money maker mm -hmm. working for one of your rivals. Yeah, I understand that. But to then say to your other rival, "I want fifty percent of the budget. I mm -hmm. want fifty percent of the earning," is also ridiculous. Yeah, that's called greed, my friend. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think there's a number somewhere. And look, Sony can't do it. Sony has proven to be un and their their lead producer Avi whatever his name is I don't know of course he wasn't 
he has proven that he doesn't understand how to make a, Mar- a, Spider-Man, a Spider-Man movie. Film. And to say that, and if, well, let's say it's even 70% of the budget, mm-hmm. you made $1 billion mm-hmm. off of this last film. Yeah. You know why? Because Kevin Feige produced it. Mm-hmm. Both companies are being greedy, and they're showing to their fans that money matters more than what you want. Yeah. What, what, you, what, what you're asking for. Well, here's, here's my beef with Disney. Your beef? My beef. Like, like, Arby's. Who's got the, the meat? We have the beef. No, no. It's, that's no, Wendy's. That's Wendy's. It's, yeah. We've got Arby's, the Arby's was, we got the beef. No. No. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh-huh. You're incorrect. No, I'm, look it up. No, you look Arby's. it up. I don't, I don't care that much. Okay. Arby's. Sound off in the comment section of nowhere. We don't have a comment section. No, we don't. You know why? Because we don't want to be attacked by you. We don't want to be bullied by our fans, Dad. <laughs> All right. Here's... My dad bullies Nick a lot when he talks about the episodes. He's always like, Nick. You know what? I haven't said interesting that much this time, you though. You haven't. No. He, Nick says interesting a lot, and my dad goes, tell Nick to find a better word. My aunt also said so. And my sister said so, and so did Nick's parents. It is what it is. And so did Nick's girlfriend. It is what it is. Let me tell you my problem with Disney. Yes. Disney, obviously, like everyone else in Hollywood, is out to make money. That we have established already. Look, money's great. Money bought me a 60-inch long uh, Game of Thrones poster... That looks like a banner and says winter is coming. But. Okay, money's dope. But. Bought me a pizza. Money's great. Okay, now that we've established that money is good, let me finish my point. I got Birkenstocks. Let me finish my my point. money that I earned by working. It's great. Disney, as you have said, has become a monopoly. Yes. And their continual purchasing of other existing properties and other existing studios has become a problem because as we have learned or as it has become abundantly clear Disney is only buying profitable pre-existing material so they can capitalize on it Look. they more or less and this this is not an exact science yeah. why they buy what they did but they more or less bought 20th century fox so they could have access to home alone and so they could make a home alone series for their streaming service not only that not only that they they also effectively bought 20 the the the, the biggest reason why they bought 20th century fox was to gain access to the superheroes they own yeah now look that, if, and, I, I love the MCU, and if they wanted to buy the 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 wing of 20th Century Fox that owned Fantastic Four and that owned X Men, great. But they bought the entire. I would have been all for it because I would love to see those characters once again in the MCU. But it becomes dangerous when, as one company, you're owning half of half of or like they one bought, of the major and movie and they and now they own all of. Fox's subsidiary companies as well. Disney now owns Fox Not the Searchlight. News but no, Disney now owns Fox Searchlight. I love Fox Searchlight. 
Did you? And so here's the issue that comes with that. Disney a couple months ago was concerned about Jojo Rabbit, which, in, if you do not know, is a Fox Searchlight independent comedy being written and directed by uh, Taika Waititi, who directed What We Do in the Shadows and directed Thor Ragnarok. And it's a it is a quirky comedy which appears to be about a boy living in 1940s Germany who befriends... No, he doesn't befriend. He, he He's bullied by his classmates, so he creates an imaginary friend. In the form of Adolf Hitler. Yes. And this is a comedy. It's it, it not, like, not a raunchy comedy. It's already been rated PG-13. But Disney, because they own Fox Searchlight, is concerned about this movie because... It's pushing the envelope yes. a little bit. And Disney is concerned with their own brands being associated with one property. Mm-hmm. If Disney is going to be policing every single project that comes out from underneath of their extensive banner, then everything is going to be a watered-down, unchallenging... Want- Project. If you want Bob Iger telling you what to do mm-hmm. and what you can enjoy and what you can watch, count me out of that. Yeah. Let's, we're not, like, I don't need Bob Iger telling me what is good and what is clean and what is holy to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem, going back to Spider-Man, people yeah. are now calling for Disney to buy Sony. Just so they can get Spider-Man. That's absurd. No. Sony Pictures Classics. I need them. Yeah. I need Sony Pictures Classics to... To give me long, boring films that <laughs> people tell me are good. You know? Exactly. I need that in my life. Yeah. But, and I don't think that Disney's going to buy Sony, but... No, I don't think Sony's no, going to sell. I don't think so. Because Sony's, the other thing is Sony's a much larger company. Mm-hmm. That is just, the Sony films are a, 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 a smaller branch of a much more profitable company. Yeah. That is an electronics company. Right. But... So that's a... So that would be a whole different issue. But now that Fox has been bought by Disney, I mean, essentially, the studio system of Hollywood ended decades ago in the 1960s or whatever. But the studios have remained strong since then. But this is essentially the beginning of the end. Yeah. If Disney buys everything. Disney has not bought Universal yet, thank goodness. But imagine, you know... Is that the next to go? Is Disney going to want to get at all of their projects? Yeah. It's, and then, it's, and it's then, essentially becoming a monopoly that's going to take over the movie industry. Yeah. And look, this is, I'm not trying to, and I hope you're not, I'm not trying to say this is the end of the movie industry as we know it, because that's not true. There will always be the small independent studios like A24, mm-hmm. which I think A24 is the best movie studio out there right now. There's always going to be Blumhouse. Wait, mm-hmm. Blumhouse is owned Blumhouse by Universal. is owned by Universal. But there's always going to be these smaller movie studios that are producing Monkey Paw, mm-hmm. which is Jordan Peele's. Universal. No, they don't own it. Do they just work they in... They distribute. Oh, okay. That's different. So uh, the small independent studio will mm-hmm. make their own film, and then they'll go to a bigger studio... But Monkey Paul, Monkey Paul went to Blumhouse, and Blumhouse is owned by Universal. Is that how that works? Sorry, I need to I need to take a quick walk. I didn't know that. Yeah, Get Out was distributed by Blumhouse. Oh my god! You see, as was Us. Yeah. So you see, maybe it is. Maybe this is the end as I know it. 
No, I think there are always going to be those smaller studios. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this is the end, yeah. but speaking rather pessimistically, I think we're on, we're we're teetering on an edge yeah. of something. It's a very, uh, I know, I know this is a cliche, but this is becoming a slippery slope. Yeah, if we're allowing these purchases to go through, mm-hmm. you know, and to, and to return to a, uh, the point that we've been making a number of times throughout this episode is, I think people are okay with it yeah. because they're getting what they want. And if and that's what people want to go to the movies to see now nowadays. Maybe fingers crossed that it's a trend that at some point in the next several years the interest is going to fizzle out. Well, I think one of the things we're seeing, which I think is a good thing, is that the the status quo isn't as popular as it used to be. Mm-hmm. To me. Products aren't just making money for being products. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie yeah. didn't make money just because of the Pirates of the Caribbean film because it wasn't a good film. Right. So audiences are now being able to say what's good and what's not good. And I think that is a trend. But I think there is still a taste for original project pro- projects. Um, Us is still one of the top ten grossing films of the year. But it's in a field with... So much Disney properties, but, because, but I think that that is true. But I also think because those movies are going to make money, but I think studios are starting to say originality is good. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Dis- MCU is owned by Disney, if you look at their last um, last uh, uh, um, Comic Con appearance, the movies they did introduce are different and Fair. are pushing boundaries. But but. That's not to say – so Disney is getting to a point where they're starting to push boundaries a little bit. I just don't know where that leads to. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far they're willing to go. Right. And that's the issue. Look, if Disney wants to own every company in the world, but they allow the companies to operate as their own and continue making genre-pushing, boundary-pushing mm-hmm. films, mm-hmm. then I don't know what I have to complain about. I just don't think that they're going to allow that to I don't happen. think that would happen. Uh, something like um – the the next Doctor Strange movie in the multiverse it's, of madness, which is a, a cool title. Yeah, but they're they're saying it's going to be a horror movie, and I'm not holding my breath. Me either. Because like it's still going to be a superhero movie. It's still going to be an MCU movie. Yeah. It's not going to be a horror movie. I don't think I don't think Disney is capable of making a no. horror movie. So I think they're capable of making as much of a horror movie as they possibly can. If you know what I mean. I think they're willing to make it as much of a horror movie as. Marvel fans will be willing to accept it's gonna it. It's going to be as scary as Monster House is scary. Probably. But I I just think that they're not going to make they're not going to go for anything that would upset the apple cart too much. Yeah. They're still going to play it safe. I just and I think we we need Disney to upset the apple cart. They do. Yeah. If Disney the, the greatest films have like you know why Empire Strikes Back 40 years later or 50 years later, is still one of the most famous movies of all time. Not 50. I don't know how much. It was 83, I think. 83? I don't know. I'm bad at math, guys. I got my math requirement waived because I'm dumb. So, uh, no. It, because they it was a giant studio film that they're like, we're going to change. We're going to mm-hmm. push the boundaries. At the end, the superhero got, the hero got his hand cut off. Yeah. And the bad guys won. won. You know? Yeah. And that is still considered the greatest sequel ever made. 
and one of the most popular films ever made. Mm-hmm. And when people say, what's your favorite Star Wars film? Nine they, times out of the ten, people are going to say Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Because they changed something. Mm-hmm. And even now, even 40 years later, or however, however long it was, mm-hmm. we recognize that. Yeah. You know? But the business suits sitting around in meeting rooms don't. Yeah, it, it, it's just until until a balance between yeah. art and business can be found, which I think is the eternal struggle yeah. of art. Oh, it, uh, that's been the eternal struggle since art was created. since art became a thing. Yeah, I, 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 I just don't know. I think it's also important for us to talk from the perspective we're we're coming from. We're both actors. Mm-hmm. We're both writers. Yeah, we're both. We, we, we think of ourselves as artists, mm-hmm. and so we're always going to take the side of the artist right. over the big budget studio. Right. I would say 80% of people out there don't care. Mm-hmm. They're, no, I, no, not at all. Most people, I can yeah. guarantee you that most people, when they go to see the next movie that has a 20th Century Fox logo in front of it, will not know that Disney bought the, yeah. Disney bought the studio. Exactly. I think that, and I just don't think people care as much as we do Mm-mm. and i think i think that's also dangerous mm-hmm. and part of the reason why we're so passionate about this this concept is because we want people to care yeah we want to show people it's important that people do yeah because when because the only way that people will be influenced is when they care and when they put their money where their mouth yeah. is it's the same thing as politics politics change when people care yeah. movies art changes when people care yeah Think about Hamilton. Hamilton changed changed Broadway as mm-hmm. we know it because people cared. Yeah. And now everyone's looking for the next Hamilton. Yeah. You know? It's when people put their money where their mouth is and they said, we want that. Mm-hmm. You know? And right now people are saying, we want MCU, which, you know, I'm putting my money there because I want MCU. But I'm putting my money also into films like Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. into If Beale Street Could Talk, because I'm saying I want that as well. Yeah. And until more people start saying... I want MCU, but I and, own, and that because those things aren't mutually exclusive. No, I live in a world. I live in a world where my bookshelf is filled with our tour films mm-hmm. and franchise movies. And fran- I have a section of superhero films mm-hmm. that is next to my section of like our tour films. Yeah, because I've said both are important to me. Mm-hmm. They can exist in the same world. Yeah. We just have to allow it to. Mm-hmm. And. More people just need to see that. I think we should stop being negative. Yeah. Let's stop being negative. Well. Let's tell jokes. Okay. Okay, Nick. No, we're Nick, not telling, we're telling jokes. jokes. No, no. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? I think you've told this joke Great on here already. Great food, no atmosphere. Let's talk about TV a little bit. TV, okay. Um, We're an hour 14. We're not too bad. We're not too bad. we got probably another 20 minutes in us. We haven't even talked about summer movies oh, yet, Charlie. God. We got this. This is gonna. We have not recorded an episode since like April. I'm gonna send an email to RA saying we're gonna be late due to radio things. Or just send an email. You know what? We can send the email. I hope our RA doesn't listen to this. We can send. The we're e- gonna cut this part out, probably. No, we're not. This is fine. No one cares. <laughs> We'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm are 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 you I, I'm a responsible student. Are you anxious to wrap up or no, are you enjoying talking? I love this. All right. I love hearing the sound of my own awesome. voice. Awesome. So let's talk about T V a little TV. bit. Um Stranger Things season three. 
That was a we talked about the anticipation uh, a couple episodes. We talked a little bit, little when bit the trailer when night. the trailer was released. Yeah. We talked about how we were looking forward to season three. Hell, it looked a little bit different than what had come before. And Charlie and I talked a little bit last night about our thoughts on Stranger Things season three. And I think we both agree by far the weakest season. Yes. Look, I'm never gonna be mad about. Uh, Stranger Things content. Mm-hmm. Put Steve and Dustin in a room together, and I could watch hours of that. It's it was still entertaining. It was very entertaining. But as we both agreed, Stranger Things should have been a one season show. Probably, yeah. You know, it the, it was so self contained and so nicely wrapped up. Yeah, that it felt it felt like it it ended right when it needed to, mm-hmm. and season two felt. Extraneous. It felt it added tacked on. Yeah, but and I think this, that's how a lot of and this did feel, too, in a way. And that's the really interesting thing. Yeah, that you use the word sequel when talking about Stranger Things. Yeah, as opposed to additional season. Well, even they because call it, they told yeah they call it two and three because Not Stranger Things season two, but Stranger Things two because Stranger Things is acting like a movie. Yeah. It's acting like a 10-hour movie, which I'm not a fan of, but we've oh. talked about that before. But what I said, and I, I isolated my feeling about season three, is that the first season at least felt like what it, what Stranger Things started out as, which was like, let's make a Stephen King-esque ex- epic story. And now this just feels like a generic 80s horror movie sequel, which is totally in keeping with the aesthetic of the show, Mm -hmm. but it just feels silly. It feels like we went from something, not to call Stephen King stories like great literature, but it it felt like we went from something that had some substance to it to something that's pretty mindless. I think, look, I I think... Saying Stranger Things season two not wasn't good, and I don't think you're saying that, like, is a disservice. It was still very good. Television. It was still very good television. I think part of the problem is season one was so original, mm-hmm. so extraordinary. Yeah, that's what we want again, mm-hmm. and that's what we're hopelessly clinging on to, and we're not going to get it. Yeah, I think the minute we say to ourselves we're going to get some very good entertaining television that mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy nine hours of, yeah, that sets a better expectation. You know what I? It's like most films. When you get to the sequels, they're never as good as the first. Yeah. Except Empire. Well, you know what I cannot forgive season three for? No, not that. Not what you're thinking. It's for not using Winona Ryder enough. Oh, God. She is the best part of season one. No, she's not. Yes, she is. No, she isn't. Winona Ryder holds Stranger Things together. No, she doesn't. Her... To say say that Winona... Look, I like Winona Ryder in the show, but to say that Winona Ryder holds season one together is like saying that I had a salad for dinner tonight. It's just a lie. It's... I think her character is the most interesting... And she gives one of the best performances in that series. She gives a good performance, but Hopper is what holds the first season together. Hopper is good, but I've always thought Hopper is a little overrated. I not love to Hopper. lie. Oh my god! You know what? You also like Fraser, and it's the greatest comedy ever made. 
Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Um. Any other thoughts on Stranger Things? Uh, God, Billy, best actor on the show. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, best actor on the show. If you want to see a master class in acting, watch the end of episode six, I believe, when uh, Eleven's having a, the vision. Oh, yeah. His performance in that scene. Very good. Unbelievable. I also, I really liked, as did everyone on the internet. Maya Hawk. Yeah. She's she was really good. good. She was very good. Yeah. Ethan Hawke's daughter. Uma Thurman's daughter, I believe, too. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I did wish Uma, I was did, Ethan Hawke. Did Uma Thurman and I'll look Ethan this Hawke, up. like... This is what's great about the internet, have guys. Have a thing that I, I didn't know. know about? This is what's great about the internet. I can look things up. Her parents are Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. That's crazy. I did Whoa. not know that. Fun. Yeah. She's also 21 years old. Interesting. She's a year younger than both of us. That's really wild. That's upsetting. She's in... Let's move on. ...the third season of a major show, and we're podcasting to you know no what? one. I think, I think we're just as successful. <laughs> um, I don't watch it, but do you want to talk about Game of Thrones for a second? Okay. I'm going to go on my soapbox. Nick has gone on his phone because he, he's heard me talk about this before. Okay, for those of you who don't like season seven of Game of Thrones... I didn't love it. it Do those people have to put on their big boy pants, too? Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yes, you do need to put on your big boy pants. The show wasn't ruined, okay? There are still six seasons of great television. I'm sorry that that one bad season wasn't like wasn't what you wanted it to be. But the whole show was never about giving you what you wanted, you know? You know, did you really want the Red Wedding? If you wanted Rob Stark and his pregnant wife to die, and sorry if I'm spoiling this for you, but the show's over. You should have watched it by now. But if you wanted Rob Stark and his pregnant wife to die, what's wrong with you? No one wanted that. No one wanted the majority of things to happen on the show. And that's why the show was great, because it was subverting your expectations. But then finally, the final season came out, and you forgot that. You forgot why you fell in love with the show. And when they started subverting your expectations and you didn't like what happened to a character... You got angry, and I'm sorry, but that is not... You have to go rewatch the entire show. If you don't think they were setting up the Mad Queen and Danny for the past six years, you have you, you need to rewatch the show and pay attention this time, okay? I'm sorry. I'm, I feel passionate, passionately about this. Look, and I'm on the boat with some of you. I didn't love how they got there a lot of ways. I think they rushed Danny's plotline. Oh, totally. Be... You're speaking another language right now. Yeah. They, they, they rushed Danny's plotline, okay? I can agree with you on that, okay? But to say that just because it was rushed doesn't mean it wasn't meant to happen, what are you talking about? Okay? Season 7 was by far, by, by no means, a great season of television or even close to the best of what Game of Thrones has to offer. But it was still a very good season. So a very good season that is deserving of its awards. If you want to blame someone for why season seven was why season seven wasn't great, blame HBO for allowing it only to be six episodes. 
that season needed 10 hours to tell the story they were going to. Blame HBO, but let's not blame all the people who put in hours and hours and hours of incredibly hard work to give you something entertaining. Granted, they did forget that Starbucks cup. Okay, put on your big boy pants, honestly, if that Starbucks cup made you that upset. People make mistakes, but let's not get on the actors. Let's not get on the producers and the writers and and the set designers who all made incredible movie level content because what you wanted to happen didn't happen. And that's my thoughts on season seven of Game of Thrones. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you watch any other TV? Uh um I rewatched Parks and Rec for like the seventh time. Okay. And I rewatched New Girl. Okay. Um Oh, I watched Chernobyl. Yeah, how was that? Good. You should watch it. I should. I heard it was really good. Watch Chernobyl. It's Jared, like five episodes. Jared, Jared Harris, Harris is in it. Jared Harris, my lord and savior. Jared Harris is so good. I love Jared Harris. If you want to watch great television, watch Mad Men from season two to season five. If you want to watch a really good performance by Jared Harris, watch Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Yes, Jared Harris is great He that. is... Not gonna lie, the greatest Professor James Moriarty that the screen has ever seen, and oh yes, the screen, good sir, and uh, that's that's that. So, an hour and twenty four minutes ago, we said that this move, that this episode was gonna be about summer movies, and it didn't happen. So, but we should get there. Okay, we should get to some summer movies because we talked about Let's the do movies best and worst. Okay, all right, because we t- we talked about um. The movies that we saw this summer. So, what would you say the best movie... Why, that, why don't we start with the worst? The worst? Let's start with the worst. Oh, okay. The, the worst. worst movie that you saw this summer. I didn't really see any bad movies. Nothing was terrible. Nothing was terrible. Well, I don't know. Should I count Murder Mystery? Does that count as a movie? Not really. I would say the worst movie I watched this summer was extremely wicked or extremely vile. Whatever. The Ted Bundy movie. The Ted Bundy movie. I don't feel like looking up the name. Um, I did not watch it. I think was it? Did it deserve the the controversial no. status that people said that people it did? Gave, made it more controversial because it's fun to make things controversial. Mm-hmm. It's fun to get angry about something. Yeah. Um, no, the problem was. It was two steps away from what it wanted to be. What did it want to be? It wanted to be a, a. Uh, it, it wanted to be an in-depth uh, character study of who Ted Bundy and his girlfriend were, mm-hmm. but they were unable to get there. Yeah, they weren't a- they weren't able to make it as emotionally impactful as it could have been. Mm-hmm. I, I I still enjoyed it, but it was a little too. It was just two steps away from what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether it's the... I liked the acting. Mm-hmm. I think the the directing was the issue. Mm-hmm. The director just didn't get there. Yeah. Was Zac Efron any good? Zac Efron was so good. Really? Yes. Hmm. Right. So good. If I had to pick the worst movie I saw... And I don't want to use the word worst. Yeah. Because... You have to. If it's last on your list, it's worse. No. Because... As I said, I didn't see that many movies this summer, and the one that just happens to be in the in last place just happened to be a movie that I thought was entertaining mm-hmm. and enjoyable, and 
had fun watching, but that's it. Yeah. And there's not a problem with no. that. I'm saying that up front. Yeah. And that movie is yesterday. Mm-hmm. Wait, yesterday was worse than Murder Mystery. I'm not counting Murder Mystery. Okay, good. Yesterday was very good. Murder Mystery... Okay. Murder Mystery was not good at all. Adam Sandler has a dumb mustache in the movie, and that's the least of the movie's problems. It's predictable, it's not funny, and it has a cast that is far too good. Like most Adam Sandler films. Yes. Yes. Terrence Stamp is in this movie for like three minutes. David Walliams, a respected British comedian, is in this movie for like ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And it just was not good. So, not counting murder mystery, well, which which I think I gave three out of ten stars on IMDb, yesterday was an incredibly entertaining, enjoyable, fun movie that I got to I went to the movies to see and I had a big smile on my face the yeah. whole time. I think the biggest problem yesterday is it was paced so well mm-hmm. until they did the the chasing her down at the train. Yeah. There's a scene where uh the main character chases down his love interest. She's they almost hook up the night before and she mm-hmm. says no this can't happen and she goes to um take a train back to wherever she lives, mm-hmm. he goes to run her down and be like, I'm in love with you. And she says, no, I can't be with you. Mm-hmm. And past that point, it just slows down. It does. It's like, it just... There was one moment that I thought was absolutely incredible mm-hmm. after that. What? It's the scene where um, Jack Malik, who's the, yeah. the, the main character, uh, he gives a rooftop performance to... Um, on the day that his his album of Beatles songs yeah. is released. And two other people in the world who remember the Beatles come to him and thank him yeah. for keeping the memory alive, and they give him a sheet of paper. And he drives out to the seaside oh, yeah. and goes and knocks on a door. I to thought the it was going to be Paul McCartney. I did, too. I thought they were going to have Paul McCartney. I, I wanted Paul McCartney to be in that movie so badly, yeah. and I was a little disappointed that he wasn't. But what... What ends up happening is he knocks on the door, and this old man answers the door, and it's John Lennon. Yeah. Or supposed to I'm be John Lennon. I'm getting chills just thinking about and it. And the idea that in a universe where the Beatles didn't exist, that John Lennon is still alive. Yeah. It was so touching and so moving. Yeah. And Robert Carlyle, who played John Lennon, was so good in just his few minutes on screen that I I, I almost teared up yeah, watching it. Just because, like, the, the resonance that that moment had... In the midst of what is a pretty light, fun musical comedy, it really stood out. Also, just Lily James. Lily James is great. Lily James, okay. Lily James is great in everything she's in. Pretty much, I've yeah. never been like, oh, dang it, Lily James is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Can we get Lily James in more movies? Yeah, I, like, I think so. My favorite Lily James movie. What does she have coming up? I don't know. My favorite Are you going to say Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again? Yeah. I love Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. I have the sing-along version. I know. What's Lily James got lined up? 
She's older than I thought she was. Yeah, she's dating Matt Smith. That's a that's a good couple. Yes. Oh right, so she's gonna be in the Netflix um, adaptation of Rebecca, um, which is a gothic romance based on the novel by uh, Daphne du Maurier that was made into an Alfred Hitchcock film in the 40s. Sometimes I forget that this is a podcast mm-hmm. and I make faces, entertaining faces, to react to what you're saying. Yeah. And then I realize no one will laugh at my faces. Yes. Yes. Um, and she's going to be in that movie with Army Hammer. Army Hammer's oh, gonna play her, Army Hammer is going to play her husband. Um and then she's in a movie called, uh, it's in development, called The Young Woman and the Sea. The story of Trudy Ederly, who in 1926 was the first woman to ever swim across the English Channel. I'm sorry, if a movie has sea in the title, it's generally boring. That sounds like a movie that she would be good in, Yeah. though. So okay. that's that's Lily James. Well, we can't talk about the best movie of the summer because it was. Um, we can't talk about Toy Story four. Um, of course we can. <laughs> no, um, because it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, and a little sneak peek about next week's episode. Well, not necessarily next week, the but next episode. The next episode, hopefully soon, is we're doing we're doing a Quentin Tarantino episode. Yes. Where so, it's all things Quentin Tarantino. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We're gonna rank our favorite Quentin Tarantino films. Oh, we are. Okay. Yes. Nice. I just came up with that on the spot. All right. I feel pretty smart. And then we're gonna round things out by hopefully getting in a guest in here, so you don't have to listen to just the two of us. It's our good friend Anthony. And we are going to play a little game of pitching Tarantino's final movie. Which I, I, I need to put put some work in. Yes, we yes. Uh and we will will You know Anthony's just gonna come up with it on the spot. Well no, he said he was gonna do some research. No, he's but not. he's not. Anthony um, also said he was gonna watch movies for the last podcast we tried, and then the first one we did he hadn't seen the film. He had not seen it. He had not seen. <laughs> no, when we tried that podcast we went to the movies and then we all watched a movie together. No, no, no. The first one we tried. Oh, right. This is our third attempt at the podcast, Yeah, by but the this way. one's going the best. This one's this one we we've actually... We have three episodes. <laughs> so, yeah. We're, we're, we're... So, second favorite movie of the summer. Second favorite movie of the summer? I can give you mine. It's easy. Rocket Man? Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. So good. Really good. Uh, uh, um... Who's the guy who played? Uh, Taron Egerton. Uh, Taron Egerton. Uh, from the opening shot, mm-hmm. where he's doing his opening monologue, where he's like, I am... All of these things. I am El- Elton... What's his middle name? I don't remember. I'm Elton John. I am an alcoholic, mm-hmm. a workaholic. Oh, this is a really bad British accent. Yeah, it is. Top of the tongue, top of the teeth. I am Elton John. I am a... Alcoholic, a workaholic, a shopaholic. I was like, ooh, this guy's Elton John. He was really good. Did you know he's going to be reading the, the audiobook yeah, for, for Elton John's like autobiography, yeah. which is wild. Um, I loved how surreal Rocket Man was. Yeah, I love how it became like it truly was a like a fantasia. Yeah. I mean it was marketed kind of like as a musical, and I'm glad that it wasn't. Yeah. Because 
like there was only one musical number and in that it, was like the and that was number. Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. There was also oh right yes yes there were a few like musical numbers in it, mm-hmm. but, but they like, did. There was also Honky Cat, which is my favorite Elton John song. If anyone tells you Honky Cat is a bad song, Nick. I'll tell you they're wrong. But the Honky Cat scene was my favorite. But they played over like montages, so yeah. it made sense. And it was more of like it truly was a Fantasia. Mm-hmm. It truly was like it felt like this man who's has it all, but life is falling apart. Yeah, how he looked at his life, and I, it didn't feel like a musical number. Yeah, it felt like a man sitting back and thinking, "What has my life become?" Mm-hmm. Especially the um, Benny and the Jet scene. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't it. Wasn't a musical number. It mm-hmm. was a. It was just another way to get at how he was feeling. I I really enjoyed Rocket Man. Yeah. Um. Do you want to talk about Toy Story Four for just a second? Do you want to talk about how I cried for two hours? Oh my god, guys! I liked it more than Toy Story Three. For me, mm-hmm. it goes Toy Story, mm-hmm. Toy Story Three, Toy Story Four. Toy Story 2. Interesting. Or no, no, no. No, my bad. Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4, Toy Story. Toy Story is your least favorite Toy Story? Yeah, my bad. Oh, you're so incorrect. Uh, I don't like Sid. He makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Even as a a young whippersnapper, uh, Sid made me very uncomfortable. Toy Story is the best Toy Story movie. No, no. It goes Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 4. Toy Story 3. Incorrect, good sir. Does, does Sid's face not make you want to scream out in terror? No, it does, and that's why it works. Toy, Toy Story is also the funniest of the four. So, yeah. Who's your favorite character? Woody. Good. I went as Woody for two straight Halloweens. So you went as Woody for two years and in the Spider-Man first, in the for first three? first ten years of my life, I went as Spider-Man or Woody for half of them. <laughs> that reads. I also want is the uh, the scream monster from Scream. Ghostface. Ghostface. That once. also reads. Ghostface. Once. Had you seen Scream at that point? No. Nope. Have you seen Scream? Nope. I want his Ghostface once, and I, I was told by my mom if I did the blood in the face. Oh yeah. I, I did enough blood in the face, so I get suspended, and then I did it, and I didn't get suspended, and I felt very cool. <laughs> what did you think of Toy Story 4, though? I loved it. I thought it was really it nice. It was very different than what I was expecting yeah, it to be. Yeah, yeah. Like. Also, Forky. When Forky said, I'm trash, and jumped <laughs> into a trash can, I felt that. <laughs> I really felt a strong kinship with him. I loved that... Um... Keanu Reeves was in it as the he was the daredevil toy. That was Keanu Reeves. Yo, but like as the Canadian as the Canadian like yeah, it was Keanu Reeves. But like real talk, real talk. The the ventriloquist dummies they're horrifying. I was I was genuinely like, how are children watching this? Gabby Gabby is so sad. Gabby Gabby is Christina Hendricks. So scary. But she, oh, I felt so bad for I, I her. I felt bad. Well, well, okay, let's be clear. At the beginning, she was like trying to kidnap Woody and do tort and torture him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is scary. And somehow they made me feel bad for her, which I think is a real feat of storytelling. Yeah, it was. It was really, really good. Yes. And and not to mention Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key, who were hilarious. Yes, they were. Their bit about 
Um, oh, I also saw Lion King this summer. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah. What did you think of it? Good. Okay, enough said. We can leave it there. Um, their bit <laughs> about overpowering the old woman in the yes! antique store was so funny. <laughs> and then we kill her. And then when they also, like, turn giant and start, like, having lasers shoot out yes. of their eyes at the uh, amusement park, also so funny. It was a good time. It was it was a good time. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. I uh, I, I made my dad go with me because mm-hmm. I was a, I, I, the last time I went to a children's movie mm-hmm. by myself. It was Mary Poppins Returns. Oh and yeah, I cried the entire time. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in a row of like seven year olds. Yeah. who were just staring at me. Like, and why like, is this grown man crying? And I was just like, it was just a weird situation all around. Children were staring at me. Mm-hmm. Parents were like, why is, a, why is this man crying? Mm-hmm. I just thought next time I go see a children's movie, I should have another person with me so I don't look weird. Yeah. And then I went to see Lion King and cried by myself. <clears throat> the same thing happened. So you took your dad? Yes. Good. I went on a Thursday night preview, mm-hmm. so that's why. I was also not by myself, but I went on a Thursday night preview, so and there were a surprisingly large number of children there, but there were also enough people, like, my age that yeah. I didn't feel too weird. Yeah. So that's always a weird balance because I love like animated films, mm-hmm. but also not wanting to seem like a creepy adult. Yeah. <laughs> We're keeping it real on this podcast. Going to we an animated movie. We talk about being creepy adults in cells. We kept it real, real. Yeah. This we episode. Kept it one hundred, as the youth say. At my job this summer, I was a camp counselor as well, and I'd walk up to my campers who were like eleven through thirteen, and I'd be mm-hmm. like. What's up, youths? How old did your campers think you were? So, uh, uh, I got bullied by children this summer, and one child told me I looked 35 and that I was dressed like a hobo. That's funny. It hurt. That's really funny. It really hurt. When when children tell you something, you know it's the truth, too, because they have no filter and Mm -hmm. they don't care. No. So I really changed how I was dressing for the rest of the summer. Good. I'm glad that they put their powers to good. Yes. It. I'm. I'm very happy to hear that. Do I look like a hobo right now? No. Good. Not really. I don't like your Birks though. I got Birkenstocks because now I'm a hippie. <laughs> Peace and love, man. All right. Let's let's pull this 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 train this train into the back station. Onto the tracks. Um. So. As usual, we like to wrap up with a movie recommendation. You go first. I haven't thought of one yet. You haven't? I haven't. <sighs> okay. okay. Actually, I do have one. Okay. So, um, I thought of it on uh, while we were talking earlier about movies not giving you what you th- what you want and sort of like being okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, cool. In case you are unaware, I love, 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 love Sherlock Holmes. Yes, you do. Sherlock Holmes is my favorite fictional character. I have an entire bookshelf at my house, two bookshelves actually, devoted to to Sherlock Holmes literature. Um, I've loved Sherlock Holmes since I was like six years old, and um, I've written Sherlock Holmes stories. I've had some published, and... Wow, way to, way to brag. Thank you. And I love Sherlock Holmes movies. If we're going to brag, we're going to go full force. He has a book published, the, too. I, yes, I do. It's of, on my bookshelf. 
yes, it is. Um, and I love Sherlock Holmes movies, particularly Sherlock Holmes movies that treat the character correctly and with respect as Arthur Conan Doyle wrote the original stories. However, my favorite Sherlock Holmes movie is actually a deconstruction of Sherlock Holmes as a character. Ooh. It is a farcical comedy drama from 1970 called The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes. It's directed by Billy Wilder, and it stars Robert Stevens and Colin Blakely as Holmes and Watson. It was originally envisioned as a three-hour anthology movie, but was edited down to a two-part, um, two-hour movie. And it is half comedy, half drama, looking at Sherlock Holmes with, um, as he supposedly truly was. So in the beginning, we learn that Dr. Watts, through Dr. Watson's stories, that he has embellished Holmes's character to the nth degree, that Holmes doesn't really wear a deerstalker hat and cape, that he's not as tall as he says he is, that he can't really play the violin as well as Dr. Watson says he is, that he doesn't you have the same like quirks and things that the that Watson said that he does and so from the beginning we have established that this is a little bit of a different world than we are used to and from there we get to deconstruct the character of Sherlock Holmes and examine his relationship to Dr. Watson and one of the recurring jokes throughout the entire movie is that people commonly believe that Holmes and Watson are a couple leading to some hilarious incidents um, especially one at a Russian ballet, which is one of the funniest things I've seen in any Sherlock Holmes movie ever. So that is The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes. I, too, love Holmes and Watson, and you really got me on board to watch Holmes and Watson, and I want to make sure everyone else gets that it was not The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, but, in fact, Nick just got everyone to watch Holmes and Watson. No. Anyways, I refuse. My, no, my no, 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 no. Listen, listen. It's a great movie. Listen, it is. listen, listen, listen. I do not endorse the cinematic the, garbage. The private life of that Sherlock Holmes. The Holmes private life and Watson. Sherlock Holmes. But you love Holmes and Watson. I do not love Holmes and Everyone Watson. Everyone go watch Holmes and Watson. Do not go and watch Holmes and Watson. Charlie... What movie would you like to recommend? Holmes and Watson. No, you don't. I want to recommend The Birdcage, starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. <laughs> you just had a look of terror that you couldn't remember Nathan Lane's name. Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. And it's a Americanized uh, version of a French film that the name I cannot pronounce. Le Cage aux Le Cage aux and, I definitely didn't pronounce that right. Uh-huh. But whatever. And so, and it's about a gay couple who live in Miami mm-hmm. whose son comes home and he says, I have proposed to a woman and her father is a conservative senator mm-hmm. and they're coming home to meet you. And Robin Williams needs to teach Nathan Lane's character how to be a man. Mm-hmm. It hasn't aged the best no. of any film, but it's very funny. It still has some very funny moments. It, it it has probably the scene I have laughed the hardest at in my entire life where Robin Williams teaches Nathan Lane how to smear br- butter, butter on, on bread. a piece of bread. He goes, they smear the butter. Smear it. It is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. 
highly recommend. It's Robin Williams acting against type too. He's yeah. like pretty like restrained in it too, which is well, I mean, like Nathan Lane is the more absurd character. Yeah, but like, if you think about Robin Williams and like Mrs. Doubtfire yeah. or something, this is not the same yeah. Robin Williams. So. Okay, well, so yeah, this um, is a fun episode. This has been a this has been a good episode. How, long, how much time are we? We at? are at an hour forty seven. So wow. this is I don't think our longest. No, this is. I think episode two was like a minute or so longer. Okay, I don't know exactly. Well, we have to go because yeah. we have to go to a meeting we should we, we're gonna wrap up we're gonna wrap um up. if we still had a social media presence this is where charlie would plug our twitter um, but we don't because you guys didn't participate and i felt bad well we just gotta we just gotta go out there you know reach what? out with both hands next episode i'll see if i can remember our password all right and restart this. And maybe, maybe, maybe next time, will or soon we will we'll be doing a crossover with some real, real podcasters. We should do a crossover with the film podcast or the the sports podcast. Oh, and do a sports I do a movie. Spo- a sports movie episode. Yeah, you can you can sit in on that one. Okay, cool. I will not be a part of that. Okay. Unless unless people want to hear me talk about the Sandlot for Sandlot's three a great hours. Film. I love the Sandlot. Love the Sandlot. Okay. All right. So, I'm Nick. What's my name? Yeah, what's your name? I'm Nick. So that makes you Nick. We're signing off. I need this part okay. to sound good. Okay. I'm, let's try it again. All right. I'm Nick. I'm Nick. No. <laughs> I'm Charlie. I'm Nick. I'm Charlie. And this has been There There Will Will Be Be Film.